0: You know, the the thing about this, this next season for us, um, as a staff is, and what I've, what I've, what I've loved the most about this is the stretch and the gap, uh, and the faith that's required in us. And ultimately, that's what God is in the business of doing, isn't he? Bible says that when he returns, he's looking and says this, will I find faith? when I actually come back. Before he comes back, a whole lot of crazy stuff is going on on the planet. So he's actually declaring something to us and saying, you know, when I return, will I find faith? And he is in the business of stretching his people so his people have to trust in him so faith is birthed from within. So if you don't want to be part of that, then I'd suggest that you don't follow Christ. Because that's what he and you have signed up to be and do. And I said this before, the day that you committed your life to Christ is the day that you died and you left everything of what you wanted behind. You were baptized, which is a, a significance of death. And then you said, now I want to live for you and you alone. Paul said it this way, the love of God controls me. I no longer live for myself, but I live for the one who bought me. Which means every decision, every action, every thought, everything that he did was controlled through Christ, the love of Christ. Just think about that. It's phenomenal. So, this is what I'm loving. Scary for all of us it's risky but I don't know that's what I signed up for when I said I'm going to follow Jesus he doesn't want us living in the comfy seats he wants us on the edge living on the edge why? ultimately because of what he wants to do in us and through us that a world would know he was sent for them and that the church would become one so let's just as we journey through this, through as a community, it's going to require more from us all. It's going to require us, all of us all to step up a gear or two, or three or four, and say, here I am. Pick me. Here I am. Pick me. This is how I'm going to now be in that warship. Remember the prophetic word? Going from a cruise ship to a warship. And a warship is engaged in a battle of a spiritual dimension. So, understanding starts in the heart, seeing starts in the heart, hearing starts in the heart. We sung a song, everyone seems to be mentioning the songs this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes, for I want to see you. So where does sight come from? These things or these things? Where does spiritual sight come from? Comes from the eyes of one's heart. Which means, last week's message, understanding the true state of our heart is essential, isn't it? Because if sight comes from the heart, and hearing comes from the heart, and understanding starts and comes from the heart, Then what is the true state of one's heart? In the second half of my message, I'm going to list us about 10 scriptures that I've, to the best that I've could, put in an order, which I'm hoping is going to paint a picture of the purpose God has for us. But here's the challenge for us. If we don't receive a living conviction of the scriptures that are put up, nothing will change. If we only have a mental or an intellectual understanding of the scriptures that are put up on that page or in this book, I will guarantee you nothing will be different in your life. And you will wonder why, why is it that I read a book, I've been following Christ for so many years, but I don't seem to be in a life that's promised. And I look at other people And I see them engaging and I see them with something going on in them that's not in me. Why is that? I would suggest you today because understanding, seeing and hearing starts in the heart. And that requires a true biblical living word that carries power full of the Holy Spirit that brings full conviction, which you receive in the heart, which changes you. See, there's nothing logical about God, Christianity, and what we're doing and what we're becoming. Nothing logical. It's completely spiritual. And when I say logical, I mean in the context of trying to understand it through the flesh. Trying to understand God and His ways intellectually will get you messed up and distorted and not have you understanding what is truly going on. I'm sorry, but that is what the Bible teaches. The mind of Christ is a renewed mind that has come in through the heart, the spirit, goes up, and then the mind is renewed, and now you can see. If you go any other way but through that process, you will not be in the truth that sets you free. You will have a whole lot of head knowledge And that may require you to do activities and doings for Him, but what you will be void of is the life of the Spirit within you. So that ultimately leads to frustration, disillusionment, and death, and you want to give up, and you get stuck. Anyone here stuck this morning? Anyone here stuck through trying to understand what God has been doing here for four and a half years? Anybody reading the booklet getting, I'm stuck and I don't get it. There's a reason why, if you are. I would suggest you possibly that you're trying to understand the booklet and what has been said through your mind first. And I'm telling you, you never ever will. So stop it, because you'll just lead yourself to more frustration. You have to come into the booklet, this book and what I'm saying today, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must lead you and I into all truth, which means our hearts must be in a true state of being able to receive what he wants to say. Why is it that the rich young ruler walked away from truth? Did he recognize it was truth? Did he recognize that it was Jesus? So if he recognized it was Jesus, why do you walk away from Jesus? He couldn't let go. So, it's not logical, is it? Is anything logical about that? I'll ask you a question I asked you last week. Is God a liar? Is he perfect? Is he the creator? Can he raise the dead? Can he do something out of nothing? Does he love us? Will he ever leave us? Will he ever forsake us? Is he the savior? Is he the father? Is he the groom? Is he the king of kings? Is he returning? Is he flippin phenomenal? You've all told me yes to all those things. Why is it that we don't trust him and give him all of our hearts? There's nothing logical about following Jesus Christ. If it was logical, then the logic answer to that would be yes, and we would be found giving him, and the rich young ruler would have been found giving him all his heart, wouldn't he? There's nothing logical, intellectual, firstly, about following a person who you can't see, can't hear, can't understand, until the Holy Spirit grabs you and says, now is the time, and actually comes and does a living, convictional word in your heart that changes you from one realm and spins you into another. Acts 2.37. Turn your Bibles there. Johan, just if you can follow this, go with it um because it's shifting and changing already <laughs> so acts two thirty seven this is not in the PowerPoint by the way but now, when they heard this, everyone say, heard this when they who are they? All the people that were in the city at the time that Peter, who had just been baptized in the fire and the power with a living conviction in the Holy Spirit within him, got up and started preaching what Joel had prophesied and starts preaching a living word. So imagine it's like this. I'm Peter and he's up and he's preaching This living word. But the man is in a different state than what he was before Acts 2. He's now completely filled with the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit, living conviction. The man has been moved from this realm into this realm. And now he's speaking from a true spiritual dimension that the Holy Spirit has brought him into. So he gets up and he starts to declare a living reality to anyone and everyone that's in the city at the time. Now, when they heard this, hearing comes from the heart. When they heard what was being declared, they were pierced to the heart. When was the last time the living word pierced you to the heart? Has it ever What do you mean? Well, something is about to shift here. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? We have heard something and it has grabbed our attention. And received something. And now they're asking a question. And the question is, what shall we do to repent? The greatest question any human being can ask. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what's going on here? wasn't just like a nice little message that they heard and then left and went away. They have been stopped, apprehended, arrested. Might have been like this. Hey, what are you doing this afternoon? What Who's that guy preaching? I don't know. Boom. What's he saying? See, repentance isn't about feeling sorry. It's not going, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. True biblical repentance is when you receive a conviction of the heart. The living word comes. Stand up for a minute, mate. Your heart is in a posture of some state, humble, hungry, thirsty, sometimes even hard, but it hears something and this living word comes and cuts and pierces the heart, which creates a shift in your heart, which breaks your heart, and has you turning and responding to something different. True biblical conviction is when you are starting to realize your true state of who you are without Him, and you know you need to repent and be broken and literally fall on your face now, and you start to weep and weep. Why? Because God's starting to show you a realm and a reality you're truly in, but then he shows you his beautiful love and he then comes and picks you up. And you have been altered forever. Thanks, That's it. So are we stuck? Are we stuck? It's okay to be stuck. It's fine to be stuck. What's not fine is to not move towards the reality that he wants to unstuck you from. What's not is to walk away because you haven't determined whether what you're hearing is actually of him. See, here's the other flip side of the story is the rich young ruler, did he actually, did he actually take the time to ask questions around what he was truly hearing. See, I think it's criminal if you walk away from a reality and you haven't actually gone on a journey of the Spirit to determine what you're hearing is truth or not. How criminal is it to walk away from truth if your perception of what you're hearing is in fact truth, but you perceive it not to be truth? I actually think that is very, very serious. Anyone else? Because I don't get why you walk away from Jesus. No matter how hard it is, I don't get it. I do, actually, because he's trying to show us our state of our hearts. And the reason why we do is because we can't hear, see, or understand that it's actually him. Do you think it's possible to reject God's purpose for our lives? It says here, these John seven thirty, Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves. Interesting, it was all around not receiving John's repentance, which is the repentance of sin. Which I'm hoping that you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you've 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 passed through that door, but. Do we realize that repentance is a lifelong journey? It's not something you do once, it's a lifestyle of having your mind renewed to his mind, so then you're able ab- sorry, then you're able to see and hear and think and live like he wants us to. So I believe it's fully possible to reject God's purposes and plans as a follower of him because when he comes in a dimension that you're unknown to or a realm of truth that you are not living in or haven't heard that very picture of truth can actually repel you from him but you never realize you're being repelled from him because you think it's not him and that i could give you multiple biblical scriptures for that reality The words that God has given us in the booklet of the prophetic word have been given to us to what? Change us. Anyone here think they need to be changed? Anyone here think they've got it all down pat? No, neither me. The words that have been sent change our now so we are able to see the big picture in our hearts, our spirits. And this is the key to making sense of what God is doing. Shall I read that again? The words that have been sent, okay, this word, the prophetic booklet, are sent to change our now So we are able to see a much bigger picture in our hearts, our spirits. And this is the key to making sense of what God is doing. Now, you may have already received this sight. Fantastic. Absolutely awesome. Keep running. Keep encouraging. Keep praying. Because you'll know what you've gone through to receive this. You'll know the time and the waiting and the seeking and the asking and the pursuing and the crushing. You'll know those things which will be birth life in you, joy, peace, righteousness, hope, and then you'll be wanting others to walk with you because you'll understand the process is quite a scary and a risky one, so you'll be inviting everyone to walk with you. Come on, let's go this together, yeah? So the booklet we've been given... What is the true conviction of our heart in looking at it? There's two options. It's either of God or of man. So if the booklet is of God, then how is it impacting our lives? If the booklet is of man, then so what? So what is the true conviction of your heart today in relation to the words that are in that booklet? Because with David McCracken just speaking from himself, his interpretation of what God, or was it actually God speaking through David McCracken? Can you hear what I'm saying? Because the true conviction of your heart will either do this. I haven't even read it because I don't really care because it's irrelevant. <laughs> it's just a man's, so I deny it all. Or if it's of God, my goodness, I better start reading, seeking, and asking for the Father to reveal what is in here. Because it's for who? Who? Us. So if there was $10 million on that chair over there with an envelope and you knew it was for you, would you want to go grab it? Yes, we would, wouldn't we? So is there any difference to what I'm saying? If that is a love letter over there from the father for his people, would you want to go and open it and read it or not? If you don't, what's that saying about the state of your heart? I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you the truth in love. What is it saying about the true state of your heart? But Lord, Lord, I did ABC. He says, who are you? Guys, it's time to wake up. I can't say this any stronger without it sounding like I'm being a legalist. It is time to, for the church, not just this church, the church, to wake up and smell the roses. There is a bus coming and at times, this is how anal, I've heard maybe, you're anal Greg, you're anal. You're so intense. Yes, cause there is a bus coming. And everyone's on the middle of the road about to get taken out by the bus. If you had your children playing on the road, would you just go, "Oh, let them play on the road? Oh, this car's coming. Well, they're doing well dodging the cars. Or would you get out there and scream and run the risk of being misunderstood, misinterpreted, but you don't care because a bus is coming? So the challenge, again, for us is we have been given a prophetic booklet that has been handed out to every one of us. And I believe with all my heart that everything that's in there is of him. Even that's a scary thing just to admit in front of you and him. That's how confident I am that everything in there is of him. But if we are just casually, oh, well then are we maybe like the rich young ruler who has no clue in concept what he's truly and who he's truly walking away from? Or even unaware of what is even happening in their own midst because this is not logical, this is not intellectual, this is a spiritual dimension that the Holy Spirit, the living Word of God, Christ, needs to catapult you and I from one realm into so we can truly see In through the eyes of our hearts and hear and understand what God is doing and saying right day in this time, in conjunction with the end. Anyone want to leave right now? It's serious. I'm sick of playing church. I'm sick of all the stuff that goes on, and we pat ourselves on the back. And you know what? I'm not seeing too much transformation in God's people the church is asleep thank you see when we take his word and we absolutely start to judge ourselves through his word are we known for love guys it's the commandment that he's going to judge us all on are we known for love does the world think we're known for love and yet we sit here and we go, oh no, but oh well, who cares? He's going to ask you, are you known for love? Are we known for oneness? This is what he's doing amongst us. I'm hoping and we are on a journey and we're coming, but there's more and more and more. So I'm putting it out there and I'm going to challenge because of love. He's expecting some things. I'm hearing this is really heavy. This is really heavy. No, it's weighty. It's got punch behind it. When he turned up, man, all hell broke loose on earth. The disciples today would laugh at the church today. You want your comfort. You want your lattes. You want your music. You want the this man. We're dying to our lives here. And you guys are more worried about your comfort than you are about living for him. It ain't heavy, it's weighty because he carries a punch and it breaks open the demonic realm and the church moves through the church that I build. What does he say? I will build my church and my church will push back overpower the gates of the demonic. That's the church that Jesus Christ is building on the earth. No excuses. This church will push back the enemy this, the enemy that. Come on. It's not a game, this is like 100% to zero. It's all about God, nothing to do with the enemy in the sense of this being a 50-50 game. I've given you my son, my spirit, my word to be a people that I build who push back the demonic, the darkness and break into the spiritual realm and understand the spiritual realm, not the physical Sorry, Johan, that is, none of that is in the notes. <laughs> Let me read you Isaiah 46, 9-10, to which is, I am God, and there is no one like me declaring the end from the beginning. So if God declares the end from the beginning, do you think we need to know the end? Yes or no? If you don't know the end, how do you know how to start? Makes sense, doesn't it? Let me put it in the physical. How many people figure out how to get to Auckland before you start driving? Now, you might have been there before, so you know, and you may know multiple routes to Auckland, but I bet you at some point, if you figure out you need to go to France and in Paris to find an apartment in Paris like Mike and Ingrid, I bet you don't leave it to chance, do you? Oh, well, we'll just see how we go. You figure out how to get to the end before you even start. Why? So you don't spend more money, waste time, have multiple fights with your wife and your kids. Because you figured out the route. So, God declares the end from the beginning. So let's understand the end and then work our way back. Is it about the commandment or the commission? So why is it the church preaches the commission? It's easier. Of course it is, because loving God with all your heart means you don't exist. Is it about the reaching the lost or is it about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is it about making the world a better place or is it about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength? See, right, yeah. so if you don't get that down pat, that don't happen. That's not happening. Why? Because that's not down pat. Why? Because we don't know the end from the beginning. In other words, the picture of the finish line determines how we will live our lives now. The picture of the finish line determines what or who we will truly love. The picture of the finish line determines the choices we will make in our lives now. The picture of the finish line will determine our priorities and whose will will be done. In other words, to truly walk in an alignment to the Father and His purposes now, it's essential we will have or are coming into a revealed understanding of the end or the big picture in our hearts. Now we're going to watch a clip, which will give me time to breathe and <laughs> for you guys to breathe. And this clip is a big picture clip. And what I want you to do, I want you to listen and watch with all your heart. Listen to the words see what's truly going on because this is a massive point that I'm trying to make here when God talks about a macro, a big picture and the reason why thanks, Johan.
1: every salmon caught makes bears have carried fish 30 metres from the river because here they're less likely to be challenged by hungry adults. So they can eat in peace. There's so much fish available, they just eat the richest bits to lay down enough fat for hibernation. The rest appears to be wasted, abandoned on the forest floor. Along with our camera. The aftermath of this feast is unbelievable. Up to four tonnes of carcasses are left in an area the size of a football pitch. But what have dead fish got to do with the forest preparing for winter? Well, this is where it starts to get really intriguing because the catching of the salmon is just the start of it. Bears aren't the only creatures attracted by such a feast. A banana slug. At 25 centimeters long, it's one of the largest slugs in the world. And masses of insects. These flies won't survive the winter, But if they plant their eggs in the salmon's flesh, their offspring might. This flurry of activity eventually breaks the flesh down into simple nutrients that are absorbed into the soil. The significance of all of this decaying fish goes far beyond it being just a feast for scavengers. Without all of these rotting salmon accumulating here every autumn, this forest would be a very different place. The salmon nutrients in the soil are taken up by the fungi. So, this ancient forest is better equipped to face the almighty change that's fast approaching. For forests in the Northern Hemisphere, time has run out.
0: That's just a little bit that we miss, But it's just showing you the process of how all the salmon come and, and gather together and how the bears are ready and they are waiting. They get the, the salmon and the little ones take the salmon into the forest 30, 40 meters so they, the adults don't nick their fish. And then the whole process of what goes on. But if you can't see that from a macro perspective, you look and you just see a whole lot of dead carcass of fish and you walk away and go, oh, what a waste that is. And it's no different to us. See, if we can't understand the macro picture, if we don't understand the big picture, it doesn't make sense of what happens to our lives here on earth. True biblical suffering is defined by the macro. Do you understand that? The reason why these men can celebrate their lives being Killed is because they understand, not a mental understanding of the end, a living conviction of truth in their heart. Hence, Paul can say, for momentary light affliction, it's nothing compared to the eternal glory in which I'm going. That is not an intellectual understanding. That is a living, spiritual, convictional, revealed understanding of where the man is going the early church lived from this reality their lives hence when we read this book we go, man, look how amazing they were. Well, one of the reasons they were so incredible is because not only did they have a revealed position of the Father's love at Acts being poured into them through a baptism of a thing called the Holy Spirit, they actually threw that because they knew Christ had a revealed position, a living, convictional position of the truth and what they were moving towards. Hence, you see the physical demonstration of a life lived out. And some of us go, that's impossible for me to live like that. And today I tell you, no, it's not. Stop speaking that death over yourself because we are no different to them. Same spirit, same God, same lives, context slightly different. Sure, same challenge. And here's the thing. Every excuse under the book will keep you out of it. Hence, rich young ruler, sorry, sorry. Not prepared to go there. I love this. Every salmon caught makes a huge difference, not just to the bears, but to the forest. So, as we have the eyes of our hearts opened to where we're truly going and what this is truly about, things start to make much more sense. And there is a life that comes from within for us. I'm just going to rattle us some questions. What is our true heart position of the finish line or the big picture? Is it fundamentally about reaching people who need to be saved from a place called hell? If it is, then most of the words in that prophetic book will not make sense. Is it about the church infiltrating all areas of society and making the world a better place? If it is, then most of the words in that prophetic book won't make sense. Is it about the most amazing love story one could ever imagine between God and his people, a marriage covenant that lasts forever and eternity, where God is and always has been looking for a people who are wholeheartedly set apart for him and him alone, a people who love him like he loves us? If this is the truth, then all these words in this book make perfect sense. I think one of the greatest things to get you killed is when you ask the question to the church, does it truly love the Father with all its heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because the last four and a half, five years, as my experience is, people don't really want to answer that question. I want to sidestep it and continue doing Christian stuff. Let's keep busy. Let's keep busy. Let's keep busy. But Lord, I did all these things for you. In your name, Lord, I did healing, casting out demons, prophesying. And I saw it come to life because people were healed, they were changed. Why are you telling me that you don't know me? Because I saw your true heart state and I saw what you truly loved and all those things you were doing in my name, just not in my will. And that counts for nothing. Even though those people may have got set free from ABC, you, my friend, are still not necessarily in the position that I wanted you to be in. It has nothing to do with heaven and hell. It has nothing to do with whether you're going here or there, but everything to do with a reward in a future kingdom called the kingdom of God back on the earth and established. Right, now let's look at these scriptures. And I hope, my heart is, that you would take these, so get ready to write them down and go meditate on them because there is a picture that's forming as I read all these out. Now remember... You're going to go, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, I've heard that, yeah, I've heard that. But once again, have you heard it in your heart with a living conviction, which is changing you because your life now is on fire and it's demonstrating what the Bible speaks about? Or have you just heard someone say it and you have an intellectual understanding of it? Once again, they are completely radically different things. One is of the realm of the world, one is of the realm of the Spirit. Can we all agree that the purpose of this book is to transform and change the church and to bring life in the church, in her heart, in her mind? So she is set apart unto God, consecrated and holy, and that the world looks at her and thinks, man, she's a bit bizarre and weird, but there's something about her that I actually am attracted to. Do we agree to all that? Right, okay, cool. Let's go. Revelation nineteen seven to 9. Remember Remember what Isaiah said, declaring the end from the beginning. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself what? Ready. So there's two questions. Are we making ourselves ready and are we ready? The bride has made herself Red D. There's a protest that the bride in the physical goes through. The physical is a shadow of the spiritual. Yes. It's all a foreshadow. Human marriage is not the end in itself, it is a shadow of the marriage between Christ and his church. We have to get this stuff. If you think your marriage in the physical is where it ends, that you'll never understand the true purpose of what this is all about. It is a stepping stone to a spiritual dimension, which is the real dimension that the church is to be living from. Yes. So it is a shadow. Everything God gives us in the physical is a shadow of a spiritual truth. And that's where the church is to live its life from. Okay. So has the bride made herself ready? I'm asking because we have the opportunity to be the bride. So are we making ourselves ready through allowing His living Word to be changing and transforming us? Are we giving Him all of our heart or are we like the rich young ruler? Big questions, aren't they? See, God's seeing and God's looking and He's asking. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, the acts that the Father leads, the Spirit-led acts, the Spirit-led works, internal works, external works that the Father leads. They are the clothes that are given. Then he said, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb and he said to me, these are the true words of God. Revelation nineteen seven to 9. You know what Revelation 1 verse 3 says? Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. You know, 2,000 years away, Chris. Another 5,000 years away. It's not going to be in my lifetime. Here's the thing. It may not be. But here's the challenge that I ask myself is, how much do I actually love God? And how much do I love those that are actually coming after me? Because am I living a life that would reflect that to those people, discipling them into that reality? So if it's my children's 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 children that Jesus returns in that day, have I prepared my children's children's children who I've never met for the possibility of what's coming? It's irrelevant when, it's why. And if we're asleep to the why, we'll be just doing a whole lot of activity and we're missing the whole point. And man, there is so much of that going on in the Christian world today. All right, let's look at the next one. So we've got this picture. It's a painting that's being painted. Revelation 3.21. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and... What's that word again? Repent. Oh, there it is again. Now you see me. Everywhere. Turn to me. Rich young ruler, turn to me. Do not walk away from me because it's getting too hard. Turn to me. Because there is a work that needs to be done. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears again. Anyone hearing today? Where does hearing start? Are you hearing? Are we hearing? Oh, hear, O Israel. I will come in. Anyone who opens, I do or not. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now that is a promise. Now I asked you a question, can God lie? no. No. So that's a promise for who? Is it a reality? Is it? Is that a real reality of a conviction of our heart that's changing us because I've sought the Lord, asked him, and he has revealed that through a word that pierces my heart, and now my life, I let go of my idols, and I'm so on fire for him to see his will and his purpose established on the earth. That is a phenomenal promise that sits in this book. And I don't know about you, I want everything that's in here, and I want to be living in it, because it's going to change my world. And my world is not around me. My world starts right here. And right here. Revelation 22, 3-4. to There will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and His bond servants will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. Is that logical? What dimension is that of? Is it the truth? I want to know you more there is so much more for us to come into here which literally I'm telling you guys will shape the way you live now fear casts out sorry perfect love casts out all fear So those are three scriptures from the book of Revelation that we're taught not to read because no one understands it. But the Bible says, make sure you read it and blessed are those who actually seek what's in it and take it to heart. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't there? Mark twelve twenty-eight. So we've got a picture of the bride. You've got a picture of sitting next to his throne. And you've got a picture of actually these bond servants that have his name written on their foreheads and they'll see him face to face macro, big picture, eternal perspective stuff. Let's bring it down to the earth. Jesus says, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, recognized that he had answered, then well asked him, What commandment is foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all, 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 rich young ruler, give me your heart. No, all, all, all heart, soul, mind, strength. The second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Why is that? Because what's it related to? My first scripture. Is this starting to hit? The bride will love him with all people preach everyone's the bride really where'd you get that from go look do your own homework matthew 10 34 and here we go here's the opposite scripture of or when you see these in the light do not think that i came to bring peace on the earth i did not come to bring peace but a sword for i came to set a man against his father what are you talking about a man against his father, a mother, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be his members of his household? Really? I'm, you must have got that wrong. He who loves the father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. What are you talking about? And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Once again, is he saying that literally Danielle is to be against me? Maybe if she's living or I'm living in this physical reality. And it's the spiritual dimension that we're supposed to be living in. So if we're over this side and my heart, my mind is anchored into the physical and she's in the spiritual reality and she wants to lay her life down. We're not doing that. She wants to go somewhere. And we're, we're certainly not doing that. We want to have a life. Group. No, a, lot, what you, a discipleship group, man, that's football night. See the tension? Is he a respecter of anybody? Who's he and what's he looking for? Those that are wholeheartedly his. Danielle and I may be married, but she may be his, and really, I'm mine. Yes, I say I'm a follower. Yes, I do all the things. Yes, I tick the boxes. Lord, I do the commandments. Can't you see it? I do A, B, C. He goes, irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant, some, because I see the true state of your heart. Now, I love you, and I come for it. <laughs> he's obedient, isn't he? <laughs> Take it. This is what he's saying. See, are we of the spiritual or are we of the physical? Are we any different from the world? Well, the statistics will tell you we're not. We've got to confront what's really going on because it's going to get worse. And the reality is, if you're really living for him, You'll have these dynamics in your life. You will. It's what 2 Timothy says. If you want to live godly, you'll be persecuted for the truth. So there's a challenge because if we're not being persecuted, are we being godly? Or are we just really living in our own little world thinking we're in truth? Okay, There is a reality to all this stuff. This is weighty today. It has been weighty for a while. If you want me to stop, I'll stop. Those are three people. We're a body. What do you want me to do? I've got more scriptures. Alright. Okay. So you've got this dynamic. The bride, the throne, Name on the forehead, here's the promises for my church. Then he on the earth says, I want you, the greatest commandment is that you would lay your life down, love me with it all, because I want to fill you with all, so you're fully able to fulfill that. Then I don't want you loving all these other things more than me, because that's going to limit all that, and you'll struggle on this earth, and you'll wonder why, and you'll be frustrated, and you'll do all the things, and you'll try a whole lot of things, but none of it will work with me. Why do you think 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love? Let me read it. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to the be the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, love does not brag, love is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. When a child, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I've also been known fully but now faith hope love abide in these three things but the greatest is love back to my all my other scriptures but Lord Lord irrelevant don't have love what's the commandment love see his love has never been on the stand it's our love that is I love hearing messages about God's love I really do I love it But this season is about asking us about our love for him. Because his love has never, ever, ever been on question. And we've preached that so well that we've led us into apathy. And it's literally just become a one-way relationship. Relationship is two-way. My marriage wouldn't exist if it was just about Danielle or just about me, would it? Why do we think God's any different? I don't know, we do. Oh, he loves me. He does love you. Do you know why he loves you? Not so you can stay here. Grace is the empowerment of transformation and change. It's not so I can just go, oh, well, you forgive me for this. Now that covers that, but that is not the priority and the point of it. The point of grace and love is to literally a revealed aspect, I remember, is to propel you from that realm into this realm. So you, we can live the life we're called to live. John 17, it's the one about being one. John seventeen twenty to 23. I do not ask on behalf of these men in front of me, but on those that are coming before me, that they will all be one as we are one. Galatians 4.19, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Hope the picture is being painted. The Holy Spirit is painting it on your hearts. Matthew 25, 10, And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you beyond the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. This is not Christians, non-Christians. This is about inheritance and a reward in an eternal realm that will one day be yours and mine. And we have to have our eyes open to this eternal perspective. Because the church is to live. Jesus said, set your minds on the things above where I am, where Christ is seated in the heavenly places. Didn't he? For your life has died and your life is hidden with Christ. Set your mind, the renewed mind, on above. And we're too busy looking on the earth. It's the revealed position of that that defines here. This doesn't define anything apart from make you worry and make you sick and live a limited Christian life. Matthew twenty four forty four. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known on what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. I won't get you to put your hand up, but how many people have actually said, hey, well, you won't come in my lifetime? How many people believe that he, that he he's saying, we've got, we got heaps more time, we'll party, we'll have drinks. We've got all the time in the world. And then we're going to get ready. Then we're going to give him our heart. Then. We are the greatest procrastinators. Tomorrow. do You know, a whole lot of people said that. I got married. I'm going to go plow my field. The invite went out. The 10 million buck envelope was sitting there. But I got married. I got to go plow my field. I started a business. I'm going to watch the football. Every excuse under the sun. And yet the reward sits here unopened. Behold, I am coming quickly. Revelation 22:12, And my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What is the great commandment? To love him with everything you have. What is the promise? The bride has made herself ready. I'm coming for my bride. I'm coming for a people who are wholeheartedly on fire, living for me, who have confronted the challenge. Guys, I know how scary this is. I know how scary it is to step out and trust in him. He's going to ask me to do it again and again and again. I know the time that he came to me in my little bathroom and I looked in the mirror, was watching my face and he'd been leading me on a journey of 18 months and that whole picture I put up there became a living, revealed picture in my heart and my mind and I could see it. And I know the day, I can tell him, I'm looking at me and he says to me, now, what are you going to do? And I'm looking at the Eiffel Tower going, oh my goodness, I was caught up in that, thinking I was building your church the way you intended. He said, you weren't. He said, that's okay, because I love you. And today's the day I'm showing you this, because your heart was hungry and open to be challenged to come into a realm that you couldn't see. And I've showed it to you, because 18 months ago, Greg, you said, yes, I'm going to journey. And he said, this is how I build my church. And he started to unpack. And he said this to me. He said, do you really believe, son, that all these people, through their ties, put food on your plate to feed your family? Did you really believe that that's how it all happens? Or do you really believe I'm in control of my church on this planet, and I build it, and together you can start speaking this reality in this realm and trust that, if they all walk out the door and there is no more rock that you've still got me and I will provide and whatever that looks like. I'm bro- I said, yes, Lord. He said, come on, let's go. I know how scary this is to feel alone on your own with something that's of him and you go, oh, this appears a man mountain. He said, I said, Lord, I can't change that. He said, I didn't ask you to change it. I asked, would you lay your life down and serve her? Ooh, I was hoping you were going to say, that's right, you can't change it. So quit. No, he said, I want you to serve her and be a voice of truth. And no matter what comes at you, love and pray for her. That's why I am so, so passionate. And I'm sorry if I appear full on. I've been wrecked for him. Literally wrecked. If I had a choice, I would run. I'd go hide in a cave and I would run. But you can't. I can't. I know what he's doing here. It is phenomenal. It truly, truly is a work of the Spirit. A genuine work of the Spirit, guys. Not a program. Not a men's female ministry, a alpha, whatever. It's a genuine work of him. And it will cost all. And it's massive and it's full on. But he promises us, if we will step out and trust in Him, even though it, like well, I don't know, I'm stepping into the unknown here. He's there. I get it. I get how hard it is. I want to walk it with us all, Father. Just, Lord, we just we pray for ourselves today, and Lord, you came. And those men you came to were presented with the same challenge as what we're presented with today. Will you come follow me? Will you be prepared to let go of a life you might think you know or are building? And will you come and follow me? And let me be the center of it all. And I thank you, Father, that we're men and women that have gone before us that you write about to give us a living testimony to encourage us, to show us that they are no different to us. And they made decisions and continuous decisions and came into a realm of the spirit while they lived on earth. And they were anchored also in eternity in their heart and their minds because they could see it it defined everything about them. You are the wisdom of God, and you live in us. And Lord, I pray you would reveal yourself in us more and more and more. I pray that we would comprehend, like the Word says, how high, how wide, how deep, how long is the love of the Father that surpasses knowledge that defines a person's life and creates life in us. So Holy Spirit, we want to surrender our lives to you. We surrender and lay down. I pray that your living word would come and do a convictional work in our hearts that would propel us into a dimension of you that we have not yet come into. And Lord, that we would be a people who walk together, who wait on the Lord, who seek You, who praise and exalt Your name, even when we don't understand, to receive the fullness of the kingdom of God within us as the Holy Spirit leads us into a powerful, powerful work within us. Open the eyes of our hearts, Father, to see as we lay down our hearts before you. As we give you what's in our hearts. And we truly ask you to bring us into that place of true repentance of the Spirit where we see and hear and understand and receive. I ask this in Jesus' name.